Woo, the kids are all right. What uh, what a game. Let's, uh, let's get this going. There's a, a new voice on the show that we haven't heard in a while. Let's get let's this intro go. going and get, get on the road. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now your starting lineup, Roscoe. The Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Well, well, the roster's a little different tonight from what uh, Mr. Ross said there. Welcome, Marty. It's been a while. Thank you for having me, because sports are fun, right? Love love having you back on. Um, yeah. You, you, you said you had this whole game ingrained into your head before we got on here, so I should what just a, turn this over to you, eh? Well, it was, yeah, it was a great <laughs> game. I mean, I, um, if for all you listeners out there, leave late night listeners, I, I, of course, have a Sports is Fun podcast, and Beaner's mm-hmm. been my guest over and over, which I appreciate. And uh, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know that I barely ever get the big TV because I talk about this, my kids are always watching YouTube on the TV. And so I'm watching the game on my laptop, but I got the game today because they were, uh, they were out running errands. So I got the big game, the big TV. So, cause uh, of course out here in BC, the game starts at four, which is perfect for me. Cause usually that's a good time. The kids are, you know, when you have little ones, they're running around and you can cook dinner while you're watching the first second period. So yeah. So I watched the whole thing and nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> we're we're only what five games into the season we don't want to be going there yet well it's tampa right so tampa the issue with tampa is that we all have ptsd right from the playoffs and it's a game we want to win like i felt like the outcome maybe is a step forward towards where we all expect this team to be which is maybe competing for the president's trophy ideally or the top of the east right that's what we want want the best possible playoff position and that'd be the top of the East. Um, and yeah, I felt like they opened the starting the first three minutes. Matthews hits a crossbar. I'm like, this game's over. It's already over, <laughs> but. Well, not to mention with uh, the lightning starting Johansson, the last time Johansson started against the Leafs was that Colorado game in Toronto that Maddie got a hat trick. Yeah, but full credit to him. He had a he didn't look like a rookie goalie or a youth goalie or an AHL goalie. He looked like a pro. So that there's a reason why they didn't pick up a Martin Jones or make a trade when Vassy went down. So, you know, full full credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning and that goalie that I thought he played I thought he was their star, other than Kucherov, of course, but and the refs. But other than like yeah, I thought it was <laughs> I thought he was great. You know, he didn't give a ton of space and he wasn't flailing all over the net. Um, yeah, no, compared to some of the games I've seen from Johansson over the years, um, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. He, he played pretty solid tonight for, for what he's done in the past. Um, like you said, Poppy comes in right, pretty much right away. has that little breakaway, hits it off the post. It's like, okay, here we go. You know, things settle down a little bit. We have that bomb from Hedman that he just misses the net. And then shortly after that, Willie opens the scoring 
First yeah. time all year the Leafs have scored first. So signs were good at that point. I mean, point. we did win, so... <laughs> 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 so maybe... <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be a this... track meet. I thought it was going to be a track meet. That's what the that's the kind of game it felt like. And then those two goals, I mean, we could talk about this in detail, but I think Samsonov, um, that may be it. That may be it for so, him um, as the starter. I, I know you said... Uh, we talked a little bit beforehand. You said you haven't really been co- completely caught up on our shows yet this year. We've touched on that a couple times that Sammy's looking off um, and that I, I I think I might agree with you that this this might be a good time for him to sit and, and recoup a little bit um, because, yes, I know it's Kucherov shooting, but the first one, he was a little bit out of position. He, he probably could have had that. And I know, like, okay, the Barry Boulay goal, he didn't really stand a chance. Beautiful pass, nice tip out front. Like, any goaltender would be expecting Kucherov to shoot from there. The first two goals were really high danger. Like, not a ton of goalies could stop those. But you're up one nothing, getting one save. Then it's a 1-1 game instead of 2-1. You're right. But, yeah, I think, well, I mean, you play goal, so you know that if a goalie's kind of playing bad, the, the team gets frazzled because they're like, okay, well, our whole game play changes because we, we're not sure what our goalie's going to do tonight. And then when there's... Oh, go ahead. Keep going. Well, when Wool came in, he came in, he made those quick saves, and then the team started to play better. And sure enough, they finished the first 3-1 instead of 4-1, right? Because there was a shot that Wall saved early, Um where it could have easily been four one, but it wasn't, and then the team settled down a little bit. You you always hear a lot of people talking like it, it's not necessarily how many saves you make; it's when you make them. Totally, like uh, out in Edmonton, they're a perfect example. Back in in the heyday of the Oilers, like Grant Fuhr was an amazing goalie. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but he didn't have the greatest goals against average in the world. I know it was the '80s, but he didn't stop all of them. He just made the stops when he needed to make them. Like Sammy letting those three in, in succession like that, like that's just killer. If you even stop one of them, it helps your team think, okay, you know what? He had a slow start. Let's get back into this. We can do this. But allowing them quickly that like that quickly right away within a six minute span, it's three ones instead of one, nothing. Yeah. Goaltending controversies are, I mean, Toronto, Toronto's famous for them. Um, they barely, they've only really developed kind of one goalie that was successful. And I, I mean, you could argue that Potvin wasn't even that successful. There is an argument for that. Because did he have more than one good, really good season? I guess he had two or three, but um, I would say that Samsonov, there will, this is all anybody's going to talk about now. And yeah. the pressure will get to him and the team. And I mean, the movie, we've seen this movie over and over and over with Reimer and, uh, what? Who? Who was? Who was Gustafson there in that mix? And who else was in the mix with oh, Reimer? the monster? And then Obernier. Um, I mean, that was yep, the other guy in the mix. And you know, you just—I've seen this movie a million times, and it always ends the same way, like the Cujo thing versus Belfour versus Potvin. You know, Potvin ran out of town. They we ran them ran him out of town, and then we ran Cujo out of town, and then I mean. Belfort kind of like gracefully retired or he didn't retire, but he, he 
he finished 2006 and he wasn't very good. But anyway, he wasn't the problem in 06. All I'm trying to say is, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'd be totally fine with Samsonov going on LTIR right now because they, <laughs> well, he's had an injury. So why not just make it official, bring up Martin Jones and let's run that for a while. Cause Jones, nobody maybe will agree with me, but Martin Jones in preseason looked actually pretty good. I thought he was like, Oh, he's bigger than I thought he was. And he was making some saves. I've never really been super confident in Samsonov. I like him though. As a person, he's hilarious. Um, he got us past Tampa, I guess, in round one. But yeah, I mean, here we are, right? Here we are. Yeah, yeah like uh, um, not to get like you know me. We could talk goalies all night and and, and skip everything yeah, else. Let's not get too granular on goalies, but <laughs> but like Walt Walt is the kind of goalie that's really quiet. He reminds me of I hate to say this, but he reminds me of Belfort. Belfort is a really quiet goalie. Played kind of that stand-up style with a butterfly, and I think Wall plays like Until that. Until you got in his crease. <laughs> yeah, and then he beat you over the head with a stick. But yeah, so, you know, Samsonov is more of a, um, what would you call it, like a reflex goalie? Or like, yeah, like... Um, yeah, like, so the, the best example in my mind of, of a reactionary goalie reactionary, or a reflex goalie yeah, would, yeah. Be, would be like Cujo, right? Yep. Like... Not that Cujo was ever out of position, but he was so ridiculously athletic. Athletic, that yeah. He was super aggressive on the challenges, and he was able to make those crazy athletic saves coming back over. So that's kind of sort of with Samsonov, except Samsonov pure butterfly. Whereas Cujo was kind of like that hybrid, because we had a handful of those hybrids coming around the same time. Like we had Broder, we had Cujo. Um, I won't even get started on Hasek. Like there was, there was these crazy odd style goalies of that era um so Patrick it's, Waugh, it, it's technically wall was a butterfly right oh yeah he was almost entirely butterfly he a lot of people say he perfected it um but yeah no i completely agree with you wall has that calming presence about him and and you could see that tonight like y- you mentioned really shortly after he came in there was a dangerous chance that looked kind of like the puck was kind of fluttering around there. He stopped that. He made quite a few really big saves to kind of settle everything down and, and show the Leafs like, look, I'm here. I got this. Just do your thing. Yeah. When we went, like, I mean, we're skipping forward, but which is what Steph always does. So shout out Steph. <laughs> um, we love you, Steph. In, in the second, when, you know, they got down on the five on three, I mean, the team, I mean, I, I just tweeted this earlier, but when Geo blocks the shot, the team sees that and, and they turn it around. I kind of, I think that's when the rally starts is when Geo blocks that shot early in the second. And then Wall makes some saves, they kill off those two penalties and then they t- the, the tables turn. And then they, I mean, of course, the rest is history as we say, but, but I, I think that like for me, I don't see a path forward with Samson off as the starter. I think that the team I I listen to a ton of podcasts. I think Merrick and Friedman and Myrtle and Siegel, everybody was kind of saying the same thing. Wall's going to be the starter at the end of the season. It's just a matter of, it's not if, it's when. And I mean, I didn't want to believe that. I wanted to like, you know, like, like let's give Samson off a shot at least. But I now I kind of see what everybody's been talking about. He gets injured and then he can't play. So he's got some kind of shoulder injury and he can't play, right? So 
Well, realistically, this was kind of the, the plan, right? When Dubas signed the start of or the last offseason, when he signed Murray and Samsonov as like a stopgap because he, he had Wall coming up and, and this guy's been high on the Leafs prospect list for a long time. He just had that injury problems. And then they drafted Pexa, they drafted Oktiamov, so they drafted Hildeby. So we, we have these young goalies coming up through the system as well. So they needed like a stopgap. And then Sammy was a pleasant surprise last year, especially considering how um, how negative the Murray trial went out. But um, yeah, it, it, it's a stopgap. It's Wall's definitely looking like he's that guy. And I, I think it just, it, it's probably the best way this could happen for a blowout like that to happen. Wall came in. You know, give them the start next game, and let's go from there. Let's see if we can build on this momentum. And at best case scenario, let Sammy heal up or fix whatever he has to fix, and we can have a one A one B again. Totally, and yeah, maybe maybe I'm overreacting, and maybe you know you play Wall in. I don't even who do we play on Monday or Tuesday? I don't even know. Um, Utah uh, should be Washington. Okay, so we play Washington. Well, maybe we give. Uh, it's hard not to give Samson on that start, right? But. Maybe we go into Washington with Wall, win, and then he gets a couple wins, and then he loses, and then he plays Samsonov when he loses. Maybe that's what we, the move is right now, but or I don't know if there's any. I think I looked at the schedule, and there's no back-to-backs in November. So it's kind of... No, we do have that trip over to Europe, though. Right. Early in November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's, so it's, it's hard to see what the move is right now. I think I'm still a little bit emotionally tied to Wall and his... Because his... That's save um, on Kucherov with like seconds to go. I don't know if we get that from Samsonov, even if he's healthy and confident. So, you know, there I say this, this year is the we end of definitely that. don't. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this year we definitely don't. Last year, there's a good chance, except it would look a little differently because of the stylistic differences that we were touching on. Um, quickly, while well, we can summer up, uh, go back and summarize up the first period. Um, the bomb or the goal from Willie. Now, I don't know about you, but that has been like basically summarizing how Willie's been playing up to this point in the season. I know it's early. I've been stressing that on every episode so far. Um, it's still early. We can't take too much of the positives or too much of the negatives right now. But Willie with crazy possession in the zone, going up to the point, losing the defender by cutting back in over to JT in the bumper. And then he does a nice little play through Nyes back over to Willie to bury it. Now that, all the criticism against Willie last year in the playoffs, like, oh, he's he's too soft. He won't go in the corner. He, you know, he just gets it and gets rid of it. Like, that's not how he is. Yes, there's some very bad videos of him, quote unquote, giving up on plays. But he's a gamer, man. He made, he, he, like, there's so many highlight, uh, highlight reel moves. There was one... Um, where he enters the zone and he burns a guy. Um, just a great tiny little play. Didn't get didn't get the chance because it got broken up, but just how he entered the zone was like this he's playing with extreme confidence right now. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could get to fifty. Um, I think, you know, him and Matthews, both of them are playing with extreme confidence. Matthews isn't getting the isn't burying right now after after scoring, you know, six early. <laughs> but yeah, Willie just looks uber confident, and I, I just see that 
he's just going to continue to dominate if he keeps playing like he is even tonight. But yeah, he's insane. It's insane. It's great. Oh, it is. It's I, I love seeing it. Um, two minutes after the Willie goal, Cooch ties it up. Blast from the top of the circle, if I remember correctly. On the power play, which, by the way, yep. brutal call. Power play goal. Um, I, I get the call. They've got to call the head contact, but Nyes wasn't intentionally going for that. He just he didn't pull his arms up enough when he was, you know, skated in too close to Sergeyev, didn't pull his arms up enough, going by and clipped Sergeyev in the head. It's a first period but, penal- penalty call to me. 100%. That's what that was. Yep. It was a first. It, it wouldn't have been called in with ten minutes left in the game, and there was a a, uh, a high stick on Nyes with ten minutes to go, and it wasn't called. So there you go. I guess my theory yep. is correct. <laughs> um, just under four minutes later, we have the Barry Boulet tip in front. Now, we briefly touched on this when we were breaking down the goals a little bit earlier. Kucherov over on the same circle that he just scored from gets the puck looks like he's going to shoot and just beautiful pass to Barry Boulay right out front with the tip in right in between the five hole and Samson off the same he's trying to slide over I don't fault him on that one very few goalies are going to make that save because they're expecting it to go far side not right in the center or they're just playing out expecting a shot from Kudra I thought the first goal was like a 50-50. An elite goalie maybe would have had a piece of it. And the second goal, I was like, no, you're not. Not many goalies could stop that one. Sorry. I didn't yeah, fault no, him. Exactly. I didn't fault, fault him. I, I kind of faulted the defense there. I, th- I think the defense in the first period were, well, the first 10 minutes were pretty, pretty scattered. Cooper had, Cooper outcoached Keefe in the first period by a landslide. Um, but what are you gonna do? The third goal. What did yeah. you think? Of, what did you think of that penalty? The 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 third goal because that was on a power play as well, was it? Was it not? Am I right or wrong? Yeah, that was uh, Jake McCabe hooking Sorelli. Um, sure. So I, I I it's yet again it's early in the season. I don't want to harp on the refs too much right now, but even, not even just the Leaf games. There's a ton of penalties right now. Yeah, like they are calling everything super tight. Um. So potentially that's really good for goal totals in the leagues. I know a lot of people like seeing a lot of goals, but it, it's we got to get these players used to this standard, so it's going to take a little while. But that goal, I know it's a bomb, a one-timer, Kucherov, top, you know, top of the circle, same spot as he was in the previous two goals. But if you look at how delayed Sammy was, like Sammy was on mountain time and Kucherov was on eastern time. Like, yeah, yeah. He was. He was. A he should have had. That's the one he should have. Right? That's the one he should have had, in my opinion, of the three. Yeah. But again, like, you know, you kind of like the second goal. I put it all on defense. I'm like, well, that that was a coverage issue. So, let's say he makes the save on the first one of the first two, and then the defense doesn't screw up the play and lose coverage. Then it's only it's tied one one, right? So. But the game goes completely different if they don't. I mean, you know, you cut. You, I, I'm a firm believer with sports or with in life. You have to lose to win. <laughs> like you have to know where your weaknesses are, so that you can fix it. So, and I thought that the second period they came out really strong. Um, what was your opinion? Although, what was your kind of opinion or take when it when we restarted in the second? 
No, you could tell um, to start the second, they, they kind of, it, it looked like a completely different team because in the first, like you said, whether it was out coaching, whether it was, they weren't ready. Everybody was spent too much time in the sun down in, in Florida for the weekend. Disney. Um, they, they, they didn't start on time. Um, but they, they definitely had a little bit of a change. Could have been wall coming in to end the first settling everything down. So they know, okay, look, we have, we have a lot of time. We can get back in this, but they, they come out and they just, they start playing like, you know, you had, uh, what was it? Uh, the Klingberg penalty. Like there wasn't too many penalties in the second there. I thought like he Klingberg deserved a penalty, but it, it was a little suspect. It, he, like, I don't he, know. He was borderline, borderline getting more than two there. Like that was kind of. I, if you watch it again, Klingberg, he kind of turned his body and his shoulder just naturally because he was bigger than, uh, who was that, Hagel? Yep. It naturally Brandon just went Hagel, into yep. his face. Which, you know, it's just like he's bigger than Hagel. So what are you going to do? He just, how he turned at that moment, Hagel. Uh, and I, by the way, I think Tampa knows how to get the calls. Um, oh, 100%. And so, the like on the Willie call, you're like, well, he clearly knew he was going to get the call if he fell down there. And he did. And he got the call. So everybody, you could see Keith mouthing dive like we all were. Um, and they, they didn't want to get scored on. They, you could tell they were like, we're not getting scored on here. There's no way. And no, ab- absolutely. And like, in all fairness to Gio, we, we've been kind of calling him out the last couple games that he's been showing his age, but a game like tonight, like I'm not saying he was the first star of the game or anything, but you talked about the block shots he had. Um, he had a couple nice passes in the offensive zone. Like as a team, when you see, I don't want to say your, your worst player, but when you see one of your players who isn't in the top five battling and competing, doing literally everything, blocking shots, getting into the ozone, making the offensive plays, it's like, God damn, if he can do that, why can't I? Yeah, he had a good game. He he was wasn't noticeable at all, which means he had a good game. He had a couple of like nice little nifty passes. He kind of had yeah, that that massive block. He was on the penalty kill. I I'm conflicted with Gio because everybody knows he's he shouldn't play 82 games and you probably shouldn't go into mm-hmm. playoffs with him on your team. So the move is probably for Trey to upgrade the defense one big, except one big move instead of like five small moves like we did last year. I don't know what the move is, but that's my opinion. But Geo should be the seventh D probably. I just don't. But I think that like, yeah, you you see a guy do that. You get some confidence in net and then the puck starts to kind of move a little bit and I thought the Leafs were kind of behind the play a lot in the offensive zone. I saw that a lot where I'm like, why Why is he ahead of the play? He should be behind the play. Tavares was always ahead of the play. Marner's classic. Classic Marner, always ahead of the play. Um, yeah, even, you know, to a certain degree, um, Nylander in the third. But I, I, uh, I like that, the, you know, I like that. Keith said something's going on with Max. I think he's going to score something tonight. Something's going to happen with him. I think he is the unsung hero tonight, Max Domi, because you could tell he was gripping the stick. He was he's like, I'm not contributing. I keep I was on the second line now. I'm on the third line. Am I going to be on the fourth line next? So 
it was nice to see him get those two assists because they were pretty pretty brilliant passes right in the third yeah oh and we can go right straight to that so start the third wall starts off with almost right away with that huge save off point point got a breakaway Mm -hmm. and yet again just reassuring guys i got you we can do this come on and then Domi just, it, it's its like Ty called him up or went into the dressing room and gave him a slap and, and intermission or something and just said, skate. Because all of a sudden, Max just kept his feet moving. All skating up the entire boards. He had Sorelli right on him. Sorelli's a good skater. And he just kept his feet moving, kept going, kept going, did not stop moving his feet. And that leads to the first regular season goal of Matthew Nye's career. Like, beautiful shot. Like, yeah, it was Just great. a snipe. That first goal was killer. It was actually a lot like the Kucherov goal. Um, I thought that Nyes, you know, you know, you know, he's going to break out eventually, and so that first goal, I'm like, that's the kind of player we've got. Secondary scoring has been a problem up until this point, and then he gets the first one, and I'm like, okay, well, this is a game now at least. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly, and, and that seemed to kind of wake everybody up. Continued trading a couple chances, and then. Lo and behold, Domi and Nyes again. Yeah. Just this this time on the opposite wings, right? This time Domi skating down the, the close side, and he just does a nice little floating backhander. Not really the greatest pass. I think the defenseman deflected it before it got to Nyes. Nyes is able to catch it with his skate, drop the one knee, and just roof it past Johansson to tie the game. Yeah, it was great. He, he, you knew that the only way you're going to score against that goalie tonight was getting it up up on bl- his blocker or exactly where he scored. Um, and he got him, and it was great. Uh, I thought the pass from Max was just beautiful. I'm like, because he had a shot. I'm like, is he going to shoot? And he doesn't shoot. He goes for the pass because he knows that Nice has a, has a better shot than him. And I don't know, it was a good read. I, and then with about a minute left, because I think Keith was thinking, oh, we, we, we've got the momentum, we could score. So he, he kind of double shift Matthews and Marner for a bit with Willie. And then he had a couple of, they had a couple of chances. It would, didn't seem to go. And then he puts Domi out with a minute left, the Domi line. So I'm like, and I'm like, you probably don't do that in game one and two, but how he felt about the line tonight. He said, okay, something's going with line three. Let's try it. At least they'll save the game and keep it tied, which they did. So they got the point. I was like, oh, cool. We got the point. We'll probably lose in the overtime, but we got the point. Because <laughs> that's the um, Leafs, right? I, I, I saw PTSD from all the times we, we, we would always lose in overtime. We lost so many times in a shootout in the olden days. That being said, four straight OT wins in Tampa for the Leafs. Dating back to the playoffs. Yeah, and because we won in Montreal um, in overtime, and then we won, didn't we lose to, no, we, we just, we won in Montreal, and now we won in Tampa in overtime. So our three-on-three game, I think, is solid right now. And it was nice to see well, Johnny, just, Johnny get the goal, of course. Yeah, well, it, it and there was some question with that, too. They had to slow it down frame by frame to see if he actually touched it. Um, did he get no, it like, like, in the end? Yeah, yeah, he did. So it deflected off the defenseman's stick, and then Johnny was still swinging at it, and it kind of you could see it change, change um, like the rotation of the puck as it was fluttering in. You could see it kind of change before it went in. Because, um, of course, my thesis on the Leafs is that Tavares is underrated, as you know, 
And so yep. that's his eighth point in five games for the captain of the Leafs. Not bad. He he has been incredible to to come to your childhood team later in your career. Not that he's old, not that he's past it, but he definitely wasn't, you know, entering his prime when he signed with us. But he is like three, four points away from being a point of game player as a Maple Leaf. Like just incredible. And he's not even your number one center taking all the high danger or high chance minutes. Like most of the prime minutes go to Matthews. Yeah. Tavares is a really quiet sort of leader. And when he's on the ice, you sometimes are like, oh yeah, there's John. Um, Oh, well, I guess the puck's going to die on a stick, but it tonight he actually looked pretty good and he's looked pretty good in the first five games. I, I mean, tonight he gets the game winner. So kudos to him. I, I think that, I think he's a solid second line center. I don't like imagine. I think any team in the league would love to have John Tavares as their second line center. Um, so we're, luck- we're lucky to have him. And yeah, he's Mr. Consistent, man. Super consistent in the bright lights of Toronto. You know, all the pressures on that guy and it doesn't seem to phase him. It's, I think he's the perfect, uh, perfect choice for captain looking back. In the end. Oh, he definitely is. Like you, you look at his whole career coming up. Like the, the kid was identified at like eleven years old as being, you know, not necessarily generational, but as being an incredible player. <clears throat> First me. ever exceptional status in the OHL. No, exactly. So he's always had that pressure. He still played in the Greater Toronto area with the Oshawa Generals. Um, I know he had the stint with London towards the end of his OHL career, but. Majority of his OHL career was in Oshawa, which is just outside of Toronto. Um, and Listen, just, I know where Oshawa is, okay? <laughs> well, we got some <laughs> listeners who might not. Okay, I thought you were just <laughs> suggesting I don't know where the schwa is. Steph would be so mad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You, you've, you've been spending a, a lot of time out uh, on the West Coast there. You West Coast boys can be a little different. I've spent more time in Oshawa than I think many people would ever want to. <laughs> <laughs> or at least want to admit. <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. Um but no like the the overtime it was great. We've had a lot of uh a lot of good chances in the overtime periods that we played so far this year. And Matthews, Marner, like we haven't had the stereotypical Leafs win the faceoff, get a chance, go the other way and get scored on, right? So we had a we controlled the play for almost the entire overtime until um Johansson covered it up and we had to do that other face off. Yeah. Well, I love the start of OT with the FOGO uh, face off, get off. I think that that, that's kind of what was really working at the the back half of last season. And I think I'm glad to see keep go to camp because camp, I think is the ideal FOGO, right? Because he can skate, he can skate. So if he loses it, he, he just back goes back and they, they try to get the puck back. You know, he's, Davy Boy uh, Camp, he hasn't really had. Uh, he's had a pretty quiet start to the season, but he's an underrated weapon for the t- team. And hey, full full marks to him being the third line center tonight. Which I can't really comment on Holmberg. I thought he had some moments, but I, I that fourth line, I don't, I still don't know what to think. Like Gregor had a couple shots, but yeah, the I liked how they won the faceoff in in overtime, and then they just turned the heat on the whole time. Matthew says that uh, I thought he scored. I was like, Oh, that he walks the defenseman. And then 
I'm like, oh, he burns them. I thought I was standing up. I'm like, we won. And I'm like, how did he miss that? But he, uh, the goalie bobbled it or, you know, bobbled him or whatever, deked him out or whatever happened. Um, yep. But yeah, the, uh, the outcome was great. I mean, Tavares scoring late in the overtime period was, was nice. Do you have any notes on that goal? On, on JT's goal? Yeah. Um, well, like we were pressuring like crazy. Like you said, we had like named the player and they had a chance. It felt like for the Leafs during that overtime, like Klingberg had a shot. Even Riley was skating up there. Like everybody was flying around and Willie again, like he has been so dangerous. He is throwing other teams defense for such a loop every time he comes in. So to come in off that wall like that and to just get the puck to the net. Like old, old old school hockey, right? Get get it to the net and see what happens. Totally. And um, you mentioned Klingberg. I have to comment. You know, I read a lot of stuff, negative stuff about Klingberg on Twitter, obviously on Roscoe. social media. But there's there's this weird element of chaos that he brings that I haven't seen us the Leafs kind of have that element, and so he can, he can get the puck on the net from the blue line, which is, I mean, we had that with Fanoff, I guess. Um, or McCabe, McCabe, Brian McCabe, way back in the zeros, but he's uh, he's on the power play. I understand why he's on the first power play because he really does bring this weird element on the right side. He can get it on net, and chaos occurs. There wasn't nothing converted with him making those plays in in this game, but I, there was a couple of moments where I'm like, oh, I see, I see the benefit of having a a guy who can do that, get the puck on the net, a really nice chance. And then the rebound um, causes some chaos in front of the goalie. And I thought Klingberg in overtime, there's a moment where he, uh, I don't know who it was on Tampa, but he kind of had to deke him a little bit. And I'm like, if it had been, you know, Lilgren or I don't know, Brody, or he probably would have lost that one-on-one battle, but Klingberg can skate dude. And he can handle the puck. I I kind of like can. I like him. I, th- I he's not perfect. He's flawed, but I like him. I, he's not Tyson Berry, and he's he's got a, a little bit more than that. He's um, more poise. Yeah, he reminds me of uh, kind of like an old def- uh, defenseman of the Vancouver Canucks, um, Ed Jovanovski, a little bit. Really like Jovo big, Cap. A really big. Not as much of a hit. like Jovo was famous for his hits, but he what what he was famous for in Vancouver was also poise on the blue line. And a big shot. And I kind of think that Klingberg has a couple of those elements. So I like it. Tonight was definitely more of what you sign a player like Klingberg for. Like a lot of people forget that he was kind of a big deal for the stars. Oh, yeah. Right? If it, if it wasn't for the emergence of Heiskanen, then Klingberg would have been a star for his entire career. So they just lucked out with the... I don't want to say lucked out. That's not really fair to Heiskanen, but Heiskanen turned out to be what they thought he was when they drafted him. So yeah. that enabled them to move on from Klingberg. Now, well, Klingberg yeah. shot himself in the foot. If we're honest, I mean, he didn't take the deal. He was offered seven times seven, and he said, "No, I'm I'm worth more." And then he got he kind of screwed himself in the end. Which, you know, that's his people, his agent telling him, "Well, you can get more," and then you know, failing. But I mean, I'm happy to. I'm happy to have him this season. See where it goes, at least now. No, absolutely. Like Steph had had joked last episode that you know it seemed like every time he took a shot, it hit shin pads. 
and you're going to have that with a high volume shot taker from the point. But I think it's also with him getting more familiar with the team where everybody's going to be. His skating is definitely an asset of his, yeah. like you said. Um, and I think he's pretty close to Riley. Riley is an incredible north-south skater. Everybody talks about his lateral movement, but I think that Klingberg is almost as good as Riley as far as his skating, skating is concerned. You know what? You have to give the Leafs defense uh, credit. All of them. Gio, I will leave him off this uh, point I'm going to make, but all <laughs> all five def- defensemen for the Leafs are very, very elite uh, skaters, in my opinion. They're above average. They're not like the best. They're not like, I don't know, um, Hughes or Makar, but they are, they're all just above average. But they're, yeah, but they're not Bogosian out there. Yeah. Not like Luke Shen, which I love Luke Shen and I love that style. Everybody cheers for the, you know, the fifth or sixth or seventh defenseman, the big dude who just hits and fights. But the Leafs are obviously have a very, very mobile defense and it's not clicking yet because those goals in the first period. But I kind of, and against Florida, but I, I feel like, you know, if they can start. You know, really digging into this uh, system, um, I think that they, uh, yeah, they could they could put something together, str- strong, you know, next ten games and see where it goes. Well, they definitely can. And then I've brought it up a couple times too that there's there's also that wild card that Connor Timmins is hurt. Like Timmins had a great preseason. The kid came up from juniors as a, a highly touted prospect, and he's had some injury problems, so he's been bouncing around, like. Timmons gets healthy and there's that relief for Gio. You can start subbing guys in and out. Like Lily's looked a little shaky now and then. I love Lilligren, but he's had some hiccups. So whether it's Lily, Timmons, Gio, kind of sub those guys through to kind of knock down everybody's minutes, get everybody playing, everybody feeling good. I think it could be really beneficial because everybody knows come playoff time, you need more than just six defensemen. I Listen, I'm not going to play the red team because um, you're wrong. I'm not saying you're you're wrong at all, but I will say one problem with that strategy is that the, the uh, Gary Bettman's failed uh, hard cap. I don't know if Connor Timmons fits on this team. To be honest, I I think the numbers it's a squeeze game. I don't think there's room for him. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at it. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but. I think that if he comes off of LTIR, I think they have to waive some people and or and or send some people down. And I think they're they're putting that decision off right now. I think that it was interesting to bring up Holmberg tonight and then sit Minton so they could delay that decision on Minton because I liked Minton against Florida. I thought he had a good game. Um, so it was the right move to sit him though, because they lost the game. So you have to sit the rookie. It's the, it's the move. It's the right move. But yeah, I don't know. Trey's got some big decisions that are pending and none of us know what's going to happen, but I think we could all agree. Even Roscoe would agree that the move at the deadline this season is a defenseman. I think that's the move. I don't know who, who goes out, but it is the move. And I think you got to give to get. So it might be Lily. We we actually touched on that a little bit last episode with uh, some questions, which we have some tonight. We're going to dig into a little bit, um, and and Roscoe is definitely on board with that idea. the The rumor there's been a lot of talk that Trey Living is always like Pareko. Now, 
I would love to get Pareko. I've always loved the guy, but I don't, I would be so nervous about what we would have to give up to get him to the point of, I don't, I don't know if I want to go down that road mid season. I think you're giving up Niemela now. I don't see him on this team. Um, He's a really, really good prospect, but he's, and he's probably the number three prospect in the organization. Um, after Minton and Cowan, because uh, Nyes isn't a prospect anymore. Um, no, I think you're probably giving up Miamala and a first, maybe a Timmins, like those kind of high, high upside players for Pareko. I don't know what St. Louis wants though. Like it's really hard to it's hard to tell because you know the th- the one thing with a clean slate season like it like you look at Arizona they're having they had a good start. Uh, you look at I don't. You look at Philly; they had a good. They've had a good start. So nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to tank. Even San Jose's won a few games. So, like nobody's wanting to lose right now. And so we can't just assume it's going to be a player on X team that comes to Toronto, because you never know. With us, we could. <laughs> you know, we squeaked a win out tonight, but man, against Florida, we looked like shite. Right. So who knows what our season's going to be like? I want us to, you know, win the East. But what happens if we're wild card two? Then we're probably not talk we're probably not talking about going all in on a big D like Pareko. Maybe. But he's not he's flawed too. A lot of people in St. Louis talk about how he's not really a defensive his defense is sus. And I don't know, do we need another strong PMD? I I think, you know, if we're going for that kind of player, I like Matt Dumba better because he's got the big hits. And I I think he's amazing. I've always been a fan of Dumba. Um, or maybe Nashville's tank for maybe he they're tanking down for a top a lottery pick and they trade Yossi. Now that would be an interesting trade. <laughs> oh, Marty with the hot takes here. I, uh, I I could be in for that. I don't know how in the world they would make that work with the cap, but I could definitely be in for that. Or like a little softer of a move, but still all in is like Wierenski and Columbus. But like, you know, somebody, somebody like those kind of players, or maybe Susie in Vancouver. I don't know if they he got two years or one. I can't remember. But he's a he's a really good defenseman too. That'd be a softer move, like instead of like all your chips in for a bigger like bigger player. Um, I I would love to see us go even more uh this is a this is a crazy trade but i'm going to tell you my because <laughs> every torontonian every like old school leafs fan wants drew dowdy you can't tell me they don't even now he's he's washed you know he's he's over the hill um but i would love to see drew dowdy on the leafs he'd be awesome in the second pairing I've never been a big Dowdy fan, so I'm not going to yeah, comment I know. on Every, that. Yeah, we, everybody <clears throat> hates the guy. But if he plays for your well, team, you're a fan, right? It's like Ryan O'Reilly. You hate that guy. But if he's on your team, you love him, right? So, Well, Dowdy for me even goes back to his days with the Guelph Storm because I'm a London Knights fan. So See? I uh, he, he's he's been terrorizing me for a long time. But, but like those kind of <laughs> like those kind of moves where you're you're not going – like you're you're going all in at the deadline for a defenseman, but the element that the defenseman brings is different than what we've got. Because I think 
you know, the Luke Shen move was the right move, like that kind of player, but maybe more ta- like more talent, I guess. I don't know what Pareko brings, so I can't really talk, speak to him. I'm not super um, knowledgeable on him as a player. I just know he's great, and St. Louis won a cup with him. So the Leafs are always going to go after St. Louis players, right? And St. Louis and Toronto have a long history of trades. So Oh, they do, and it's about time that we start winning some. I've never forgiven them for taking Steen from us. Yeah, that was not like you and I's fault. That was Cliff Ledger's fault. So <laughs> No, I know. I I loved Steen. Um but that's going down a rabbit hole. But he I I miss having him on the Leafs. He was an incredible player and, and clearly was. He was a vital part of that scene. One of the, yeah, that team. was one of the worst trades in Leafs history. And there's been tons of bad trades. There has been that was tons. that's a top five worst ever. <laughs> um so let's get to some questions from tonight. So we've got a couple questions to our, our beloved fanalist. Um, Mike the Fanatic shared a, a screenshot of a tweet he made back in March with his prediction season has, hashtag that Joseph Wall is that guy. I think you're on board with that, Marty. And he's asking, how much do we all love Wall? Well, we, we've kind of gushed about him a little bit tonight already. Do you want to add anything well, else? He had a, he, I don't want to walk it all back, but I will say he had a great game. And... He's he's a, he seems to be that quiet goalie who can make the save when you need it and you know against Florida I think he was great like he was he was not the reason Toronto lost that series he was really really good he was really he was really solid and he's if he just continues on from tonight uh, who did he he played in game three against who did he play against and we lost game three. Against um, Chicago. Thank you. He wasn't the reason we lost that game. He was solid. Um, I think it was all special teams that we lost that game. But yeah, Wall, he is the goalie, probably the goalie of the future. But he's probably not a 1A, a true like stud. I think, you know, you know what I'm going to say. I think we've got our Vasilevsky in Russia right now. Pexa looks good. Not him. Or are you talking Oktyamov? You're Oktyamov. talking Oktyamov. He looks <laughs> insane. He's he's standing on his head. Seven, although he kind of kind of blew it in overtime the other night, but he looks amazing. His save percentage is like 0.948. <laughs> it's insane. He is in he's an insane he's become an insane prospect and it's really intriguing to me. Um cuz he's a big dude too. I think he's 6-4. So yeah, yeah. W- w- Joe Wall, I think, gets us to that guy, I think. Kind of like, um, who is the Tampa goalie? Bishop. Kind of like a Ben Bishop, Vasilevsky thing. I, th- yep. I think we're going to have a really good problem down the road, which is we have too many really elite goalies. And that's something Toronto's never which, had. Well, they have. They just didn't utilize them. Because if you look at all the different Hall of Fame goalies that have at one point or their career played for the Leafs, like in the late '60s, early '70s, Bernie Perot, Cheevers, Paul Materia, yeah. right? Yeah, we yeah we had great goalies. We developed great goalies, but it was before I was born, and I'm <laughs> well, you're older than I'm me. Old. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old, and I, I I I could be Roscoe's dad, but I'm that's how old I am, and, I, and but that's how long it's been since we had a pipeline of goalies that were any good, you know. 
So, yeah. Um, Next question. Benito, <laughs> Benito the Basset Hound says, well, let me tell you something. That OT showed all the confidence that this team should have from the start. If they can play like that every game, they don't lose. Well, I don't think they played with confidence. I think they played with F Tampa. They're like, we do not want to lose this game. I thought that was great. I I, I mean, Mo made that play in overtime where he skated through everyone and got the shot on net. I'm like, they do not like this team. They do not want to lose to them. And I wouldn't call it like, I'd call it resolve and resiliency, which they showed against Montreal. I thought against Montreal, they, they had an element that I hadn't seen from this team in decades, which is, you know, you go down and you're like, no, we're going to come back. We go down, we come back. It's like this resiliency. And, and, and then when they come back, they step on the team's throats because they, in the overtime, they stepped on Tampa's throat. They said, this is our game. We're, we're not losing tonight. And yeah, he's right. But it's not it's not confidence. It's more like another snarl or something. They're like, we're not losing. We're not effing losing tonight. <laughs> that's not confidence. That's no. pure like <laughs> anger, cockiness, strength, resiliency. I, I think uh, resolve would probably be the best way to to word that. Totally. Maybe a little better than than confidence. That's I can't really add anything to that that you haven't already said. Good. Um, <laughs> Wayne <laughs> Wayne at Wayne Warren 71 asks, where do you think their main focus should be moving forwards in regards to upgrades? Well, we've kind of already talked about that well, uh, a defenseman upgrade. It's true, but that's like long-term. I think the, the thing with Toronto is, you know, getting a guy like Max to click, getting nice going, figuring out, is it going to be Fraser Minton as a three C or is it going to be Holmberg as a four C with Davy boy camp, you know, just getting these things clicked, like getting Bert going, like, I don't think there's a move coming. I just think that it's getting these guys t- to click together, to mesh together, and get on a roll, win four, five, six, seven games in a row. Like, not really solid, you know, four twos, five ones, three nothings, you know, some solid wins in a row. So just clicking and then getting, getting on a roll. That's kind of what you want to see next from this team. I don't know if it's going to happen on this road trip, but that's what I kind of want. And... We have to remember it's still October hockey. That's that's the thing I was just going to mention there. That historically, for some reason, this this iteration of the Leafs has always been kind of kind of trash in October, and then they just flick a switch come the month of November and they light it up and go back to where they're supposed to be in the standings, right? Yeah, I mean, we have to remember that there's a reason why certain teams do really well in October and November, and it's usually teams with a younger roster. Because those 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 players are playing through the summer. They're playing rookie tournaments. They're you know they're going into development camps. Whereas Mitch Marner got married this summer. I would be willing to bet Mitch didn't touch his skates until training camp. I'm uh, and Geo definitely didn't skate. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's part of what like part of why Toronto starts slow in October certainly last year. And then of course this year's a lot of their players are, are vets now. And like Willie uh, Matthews, Marner and Mo, like none of those players really train in the off season on ice. So I think they're just getting the rust off still. No, nope, that's, that's really well said. Um, and 
you have to also remember that there was a lot of turnover for the Leafs. Like, yes, the core is still there, but we have a lot of players coming in that weren't here last year, getting used to the way Keith does things. Like, everything is going to be different, so you got to kind of take everything with a grain of salt sometimes, right? So games like this are definitely something that you can build on. Even though it had the horrible start, they, they showed the resolve, they came back, and when it mattered, like you said, they weren't letting Tampa win. Like, they, they put their foot down. That was that. This is how it's going to go. And you just need to sit down and take it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one thing I'll say on this topic, I did notice a lot of, like, t- 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 small mistakes. Just need to clean some of this stuff up. I I know, I mean, I watch hockey. I watch tons and tons of hockey, so I can't really describe to you where F2 should be. But those little, like, weeks where you're like okay f2 needs to be in the right position and we need the you know we need the right guy going back at the right time like lily made a couple passes to nobody um in the second as did um i think it was klingberg actually made a pass pass to nobody on the right side and you know that's just because the positioning and systems these players don't know what's going and max did the same thing um so i think it's going to start clicking it's just going to take some time they need to get home and start get back to practice and then, you know, watch some video and, you know, these are humans, right? So they're not, like, they're not robots. You can't just dump the information into their brain and expect them to just go, you know, this isn't, this isn't NHL 24 EA sports. This is like, these are real people <laughs> and their kids it, too. A lot of the time. Yeah. Yes. And no. So, Yes, they're real people, so you have all the the off-ice factors that can definitely affect it, especially when you have new guys coming in. Like Klingberg's moving across the country. I'm not sure his family situation, but he's been in the league for a while, so I imagine he has wife, kids. Um, so that that's a big step. But then, as and I love listening to him talk, whether it's on SiriusXM, whether it's on broadcast, Mike Johnson, I think, is is a, an all-star when it comes to hockey um, commentary. And he, he said the other day, like, yes, different systems, different coaches, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's hockey. There's only so many things you can change. So it, it it's, it's true. You know, I, listen, I, I agree Mike, with what you're I saying. I love Mike Johnson but... and I agree with that to a point. Like I agree with it to a point. And the point I agree with it to is, yeah, it's quote, just hockey, but it's just hockey in 2023 where every mm-hmm. single piece of analytics is now analyzed and the video is analyzed so much now that your opponent knows exactly you like cooper showed in the first period exactly what strategy to use against the leafs and they they were basically pressing on the forwards um really hard to cough the puck up so they could win the battles low and you know that strategy worked and they got the calls and then they got the goals so you know I agree with Mike Johnson. And by the way, I nearly cried when he was traded for Darcy Tucker, but that worked out actually in our favor. One trade that worked. (laughs) Um, So I'm a big fan, but you know, you, when you come into camp for football, you know, the book of plays you got to learn is this big, right? The the new QB has got to learn this. He's been given the book months in advance because you got to learn the whole thing. And it's there. There's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in uh, hockey too now, and you can't minimize it. So, yeah, a pro like Klingberg, who has kind of seen it all, knows in uh, 
like under pressure, he kind of knows what the best move is. He doesn't, he's not going for, is this a 50, 50 play? Like he's not thinking that he's just naturally making a move that will has worked in the past. So yeah, I, I partially agree, but I partially disagree with Mike Johnson. Um, question from discord. Scott asks, and you touched on this earlier and you were just talking about John Cooper. Cooper won the first period. Definitely. He outcoached Keith. Um, Scott says Keith's line changing during the game won tonight. Were there any new line combinations you'd want to stay permanent? No, because I actually like what he does. Like there was a Klingberg came on with Riley. Um, saw that late in the game. I saw, you know, Max was going all over the place. Uh, there was a moment when Gregor was on the first line. You know, Keith was up to his usual tricks, which is just try some stuff and see what happens. And, but I didn't see anything where I'm like, that has to stay. A lot of people talk about Willie being with Austin, but Mitch and Austin, those are your top players. Together, they need to be together. They, they just really worked well together, and that's proven. So, you know, I'm still thinking Willie's probably going to be the third-line center by the end of the season. Sorry, guys. I just, I'm not saying he can't run his line as a centerman, but he has been showing us what what we've wanted from him this like this season he's been showing us exactly what we've wanted from him right from the get-go by being able to dominate his his offensive zone time and he's doing that from the wing so if you had the extra responsibility of center that might i'm not saying it will it might take away some of that so i still don't mind him being wing um well maybe we, we do need you know you're you're right you know don't don't break up a good thing, but you know, think about Patrick Lyon at center, which sadly isn't, doesn't look like it's going to work. Um, Willie can definitely be a centerman, but oh yeah, um, Willie's definitely got more of a defensive game to be center than Lyon would. Um, kind of tying into that same thing, Benito the Basset Hound, and what he says is a shit question. Does this unlock the Domi Nice combination for some depth scoring? I hope so, but who's the th- is Camp the centerman? Is he the perfect centerman because he's so defensive? He's not even in the offensive zone when both of those goals go in? Like, maybe. I I think that's not a bad way to look at it because, like, as much as people crap on night or um, Camp for how defensive he is, like everybody says, oh, you're paying him too much for, for what he brings. But no, that, that's what they needed. You could you could argue these... they win the game because of his intangibles, his little small things. Like he wins the face off in overtime. He's on the ice for that first goal, the nice goal. He got a point on that goal. You know, you have to give him you have to give him credit that he gets slotted into the third seat and he has a solid game. I don't think he was amazing in the first period, but I don't think anybody really was. Um so no. you have to give him credit that he took he took an opportunity and it worked out and Keith ran that line. I think he's like, well, maybe we have something with this. So yeah, I, I see the point. And then, you know, it's funny. Domi took a face off in the overtime and he lost it in the offensive zone. But then they won the puck back against Tampa, so it kind of worked out. But I'm, I think that, you know, there's there's a lot of tweaking that's going to go on between now and April and. You know, in October last year, I think we still had old what's his name, uh, who's the kid we uh, we had 
that uh, Kyle Dubas loves, Malgan. So we had him on the on the team. So you know, I don't know. Matt Murray was our starter. You know, by the end of the year, he was gone. So I don't know. Like, who knows what's going to happen between now and April? But I think there's there's some stuff ha- like even Nick Robertson is he's has five points in two games and then he plays tomorrow or tonight and like who knows what what that looks like so there there is some stuff that's going to happen and we're going to you know our roster will probably be more make more sense by the end of November you know American Thanksgiving we'll see definitely <clears throat> and and I don't know why but that's always kind of been the the the, the benchmark for whether or not you're going to have a successful season is how your team's doing and where they are by American Thanksgiving. Well, because if you're in the playoffs um, by American Thanksgiving, the probability of not being in the playoffs is like 10%. So, Unless you're Buffalo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Luke, man. Lucas Hainsworth. How you doing, buddy? We haven't uh, talked in a while. I need to message you. Is being the Leafs captain the hardest way to make an easy living? I don't get it. <laughs> Well, because the the goal, right? No, just uh, yeah. But I I I think it's just kind of a little tongue in cheek there. Yeah, no, we talked JT about is, JT is you know people forget he's even on the team. I certainly do. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot we have one of maybe the greatest OHL draft uh, draftees of all time. You know, he's he's so underrated. I even underrate him, and I'm constantly talking about how underrated he is. He's a quiet leader. He's a community leader people on the team look up to him he will drop the gloves he's gritty he such he's got lots of skill in tight you know the guy can the guy can stick out in a phone booth he can't skate worth shite though (laughs) but i love jt i love him and i'm glad to see that he continues to rack up the points so what are you gonna do nope completely agree um I want to ask you a question and then we'll get to our last question and we can wrap this up. What are your thoughts on, uh, Mr. 75, Mr. Um, Mr. Reeves there so far this season? You know, I know it's early. It's an arms race in the NHL. You know, if you have Ryan Reeves on your bench, you know that the other team isn't going to play funny business. And that happened to us a lot last season where, you know, we, you know, People won't fight Simmons and Simmons, you know, is more of a, he was trying, they were trying to keep him more of like a, a sniper. So he wasn't a true enforcer and so well-respected. Nobody wanted to fight him. And then, so when things got a little weird, he was, he ended up not even playing because they're like, well, he's not, first of all, he can't play that way anyway. Like he can't play as a sniper anymore. And on top of it, nobody wants to fight him. So what's the point of playing a guy we're not going to play? Like keep him off the bench. So I think one thing I'll say about Reeves is that, I mean, maybe he had eight minutes tonight, if that, but he played some solid North-South hockey. They won the zone a couple of times with him on the ice and then he got off, you know, but guess what didn't happen? Nobody got like Bogo didn't go crazy. Tanner Janot didn't go crazy because they know they have to pay the price now and teams will have to, they'll have to think, oh, we, if we can't screw around with this team because we'll have to pay the price. And it does, uh, you know, I grew up with old school hockey, as did you. And if you have Ty Domi on the bench and Bob Probert's on the other bench, you know they're going to fight. But as soon as they fight, that pressure's gone. 
right? So I think that you still need that guy on your bench, man. It's like an arms race. You have to. It sucks because I don't think Reeves, he's, he seems like a great personality, a great room guy, glue guy, personality. He takes the spotlight away from Matthews and Marner, which is perfect. That's what they need. He takes up a lot of oxygen of reporters. They love talking to the guy. I think he's perfect for this team. I just think that, you know, by game 82, will he will he be playing every game? I don't know. And will he be in the playoffs? I think he actually will be in the playoffs. I think he's our weapon in the playoffs that is maybe even, dare I say it, our secret weapon. <laughs> Interesting. Because the B, I, the BS that went on with the Lightning and Corey Perry in the first round, if we had Ryan Reeves, that stuff all goes away. By game two, it's gone. Now, we had Luke Shen, so that kind of, that's, the I think, the reason we won uh, that Tampa series. But, yeah, with Revo, he's a, he brings a different element because... I don't think I don't think players want to fight that guy, and he's he backs it up, right? He he'll he's a rat and a, uh, an enforcer. He's a heavyweight, so I don't know. I like it right I, now. I've been kind of on the fence with it the whole time. Like initially, I did not like the signing. I I figured that uh, with the cap space that they did not have, they didn't need to be spending any of it on Reeves. Um, he has won me over a little bit. And I've I mentioned a couple episodes ago, like as long as it's not an issue with regards to utilization, and it hasn't been. I've so touched far, on right? a couple times. No, no, it hasn't. And I've touched a couple times. Maybe in the past, maybe that had something to do with Dubis. Maybe Keith has kind of been given the reins to do what he actually wants without any interference from up top. Because as as you said with Simmons, they were still trying to use him like he was the power play specialist he was when he was in Philadelphia, which he wasn't. With at that point of his career when he was with the Leafs, right? The thing with Simmons that sucks is he broke his arm or hand or wrist like 20 games into his first contract. But before he broke the wrist, he actually had 10 goals. He was, Mm -hmm. and he looked still, he looked like he had kind of recovered from previous injuries and he was being used appropriately. He was on the third line, but then on the, on PP2 or something. So, you know, the whole Wayne thing is, I love Wayne Simmons so much, and I'm so happy to see him play for the blue and white. But I think Ryan is a different player because they don't expect him to do any of that stuff. They, all he no. is is a weapon. They're just keeping in the closet and pointing to it anytime there's trouble, you know. So <laughs> I think that is kind of why they have him. And you know what? Tonight it didn't go. Cr- there was no funny business. Um, you know, if the Leafs. <laughs> If it got into five one, I think there would have been funny business caused by Ryan Reeves, <laughs> but it didn't. That didn't happen. So, no, I, I agree, and we need to make sure that it doesn't get to the point where he's costing us. Like if if like you said, if they don't have the point to him for that game, get on the ice. You know, you're basically there at that point to give all your other guys rest. Get on the ice, do your shift. You know, up down the ice, whatever you have to do. Just don't be a negative while you're out there and. So far, it's looked like he's been able to do that. He's brought energy when he needs to, to wake the team up or to give that jolt. He's been that deterrent. And I I think going... One thing I will say, like, so this is five games. So there's going to be a lot of five-game sets in this season. But I will say the game against Chicago, I mean, the Corey Perry-Reeves thing did end up costing them a goal. So 
I guess what I will say is you might lose a game here and there because of him. Um, but when we get to the playoffs, I think we'll see the true value. I think he has the most uh, playoff games. He's played the most playoff games in for active players in the NHL. And that is something that speaks for itself right there to me. He knows playoff hockey. Interesting. Yeah, he's he's like number one. It, maybe there's a Tampa player that's ahead of him, but he's like number one or number two or number three in number of playoff games played. So, yeah, give, we got to give him a chance. I think this style will work for us, but it's early. That it is. And uh, I can get to one of our last questions there from Offside Hockey Talk. James, Can Leafs Nation cut? Can Leafs Nation calm down? Asking for a friend. So, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. This season, after a pretty fun and intense season last year, I found it. I found it like getting back into the routine of watching hockey and getting. I I don't really have. I've talked about this with you before. I don't. I don't really like. There's no emotion for me with hockey. Really, it's just. Observe and report, right? You observe and then talk about what happened. And but I did. I I have to admit, I I was out of my seat tonight after that goal, winning the game. So the passion still unites us, and I can't settle down, James. <laughs> I can't. I can't settle down. <laughs> it's in my blood now. My blood is blue and white. <laughs> that is that is one thing that. Uh... I, I think I don't I don't know if there's a Leaf fan out there who who knows what settle down means or calm down. Um, my wife almost refuses to watch games with me anymore because she feels like I'm going to have a heart attack when uh, when when this this era of Leafs first made the playoffs. She was sitting beside me on the couch and Kapanen had that OT winner against Washington and she said she has never been more scared for my life with how stressed and, and all the emotion and energy I was giving off oh, like man. that boil little backhand pass to cap and to bury it for the win. Like there were a couple, so she, yeah. she doesn't, I can relate to your wife. I, there was a couple of moments or relate to you. <laughs> There's a couple of moments against Tampa in that first round where I was, when they scored like the game winner, even um, when they were down three, one, um, I, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Don't tell anybody I said this. <laughs> I was like, in <laughs> like so much intense emotion all at once that when I finally like, I stood up, I was like, oh shit, oh, shit I'm going to pass out. So I think we should all, you're, maybe James is right. We do need to calm down, but people don't understand. Like, okay, so. I've been watching the. Have you seen the Beckham doc on Netflix? Did you start that? I, I I've seen. I stayed up until like two in the morning the other night to to watch all but the last episode of it because okay. I, it was actually a hell of a lot better than I thought it it's was. It's amazing, and I didn't know a lot about him, so it was <clears throat> it was great. And I I see a lot of parallels with the Man U at that time when he joins the team. They hadn't won since guess what year? Sixty seven. And so and then he, he always wears the sixty seven shirt, but. You know, what was great about his story is he comes to the team and then they start and then they start moving forward and start winning. And I think it's a great story. And, you know, the one thing with him is he starts getting distracted um, a little bit 
um, or d- was he or wasn't he? And that's kind of where I'm at, am at in the series. But I really like the story. It's really compelling, but I see parallels with the Leafs and Man U at that time in the 90s. And, you know, we want we want the team to win. It's it's actually funny you say that because when my wife and I started dating, um, her mom's like moved over here from England as a kid. Her dad moved over here from Portugal when he was younger. So soccer's or football, if you're from that neck of the world, is is something that her her like she, my wife has always been interested in, and I never really was. So when we started dating, I got into it a little bit more and thought, you know what, I need to pick a team. And my reasoning for picking a team was, you know what. They're one of the few teams I actually had heard of. And history-wise, I didn't dig into it at the point. I didn't realize the last time they had won was 67 before their recent success. But I chose Man U because they're, they're a historic team with, you know, a, a prestigious team that everybody knows about and that has that history that you can be proud of. And then as I've been a Manchester fan, not as diehard as, as a Leaf fan as I am, but there's there's definitely more parallels than I, I care to admit, especially with some of the some of the downturns that they can have. Yeah, and I, I'm not uh, super into football, um, but I like I've learned about I've talked about Wrexham on my podcast, and I've talked about you know some of the intriguing stuff that's going on in Canada with the Canadian Premier League and um, the Whitecaps, of course, MLS with Toronto FC and. Bank, bank uh, white caps out here, which is maybe a rivalry. I don't even know if they are. Um, so it is, it is cool to follow s- soccer as it's known um, and get more interested in it and finding out about the premiership and how that works and Wrexham. That of course is what drew, drew me in. But yeah, I will say that the passion of people in a town like Wrexham for a team that really has never been successful, to be honest. And they're one of the oldest teams in the entire premiership. Like that's what true passion is. And that's, I mean, that's what is in our blood, yours and mine, you know, that's what we all share being fans of the Leafs is that it's a shared interest. And we, you know, we, we're going to follow them whether they win or lose, you know, when they lost, when they finished last, that was the year I still watched 40 or 45 games. I don't know why, but I did. And it was great. It was fun watching them tank. It's like, oh, this is great. I I have, like, for me to actually miss a game, I've either still got to be working or, like, the power's out. <laughs> like, And even if I'm working, normally I'm listening to it on the radio. Like, I, I watch damn near every single game. And even when they were terrible. And, and like you said, the passion, like, you live in British Columbia. We have never met face to face aside from podcasts and the Leafs. We would never have interacted ever. It's great. Like Luke Mann's in Australia. It's amazing. Like I've had converse conversations with Victoria over in Scotland. Like the, the fact that we literally have people in every corner of the globe that can connect about this, this wonderful bullshit team that, that we love to hate and hate to love. Like, it's it's awesome. Yeah, and we all we all have the same kind of feeling about it. We want them to win so bad, and they haven't. You know, when they finally do win, will maybe there you go, James. Uh, maybe that's when we all can kind of settle down. Because <laughs> you know, like I don't think Tampa fans are like high strung. <laughs> I don't think Vegas fans are high strung. You know, 
Oh, <laughs> Vegas fans have nothing to be high strung about. Don't even get me started no, on them. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, I've said it before. I don't know if any Canadian team can win with the commissioner we have, but I do hope that this is our year and, you know, we'll kind of observe and report with less emotion than we'll try. We'll try to have less emotion about it. But tonight was fun. It felt good. It felt good to win. That, that was a really, really, um, good experience watching it with my daughter who's now she watches it with me and she loves watching the Leafs and she's always like who who has it who's that who's that who's number 11 who's, who's number three you know it's great it's really fun where's Mitchie where's Mitchie so yep I, I'm getting that with Patrick now too he's uh before it was hey daddy can I stay up to watch the game and it was only just to stay up so he can play with his toys and now he's actually watching the game and he's always wondering well where's Matthews well why you know, who's the goalie? Why are they playing tonight? And it's, it's, it's incredible. Definitely a, an aspect of the sport. I didn't know I needed until I became a dad. Right. So that's what this experience with, is. You know, uh, I watch hockey with my dad and my, you know, some friends and that's what the, that's what the sport is. It's a passion that unites us all. You know, we have a, we have something in common and I think that sports, you know, can bring uh, people from different backgrounds together. And that's exactly why we're talking. And it's great. I'm really glad that you had me on the podcast. I'm I'm glad that you were able to come on. Um, Roscoe, enjoy your time off. Southey, Darty, Steph, we love you. We miss you. Um, yeah, with that, let's uh, end it here. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Everyone go check out Marty's podcast, Sports is Fun. It should be stopping.